because then you can get in trouble. Oh. So you, you get rid of that problem. If you don't, red light will actually repair hereditary damage, including genetic damage and things like that. Mm. So if you get too much sun, expose yourself to red light and you'll do a lot of the healing and undone because you can get too much sun, despite what you say. Any Anyone who gets sun poisoning or sun burned will find out that it ages the skin. However, in moderation, we need sun and we can get all the vitamin D we need in the shade. Yeah. You can sit in the shade in a bathing suit and because infrared light bounces, red light doesn't. You shine a flashlight through your hand, and guess what? It's red. Red light gets through your body. If orange light got through, if yellow light got through, you'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> you can't survive. The red light actually converts cholesterol into testosterone, mm. vitamin D, and a host of chemicals they don't even know about that come out of sunlight that they have not a clue about and if they don't know about it they can't sell them to us Mm. fortunately our our infrared sun has got a special material a silver uh, stuff that they have proven that it bounces around so when you're in the sauna right and the infrared energy it's just bouncing all over the place and we just get soaked in it it's pretty cool Infrared is really good, and what people don't realize is that pheromones or sexual attractants are far infrared light. Really? So the same, the same. Oh yeah, they go through walls. They did an experiment. They used gadolinium and a couple other special uh, metals, and this was the top science story of 1949 totally forgotten they had a solid wall not a single molecule could go through the wall and they put meat on one side of it and the flies came to the side of the wall trying to get to the meat What's up and then that? they put honey and the bees tried to get through and they put cockroaches i forget what cockroaches go for but they put something and they gathered not a molecule of air could get through there because pheromones our nose is both an infrared detector somewhere about 700 millimeters i believe it is because it's not heat it's directive like when i take uh used to have a, a television you know you have that a, a, cha- a channel mm-hmm. changer that's far infrared you're yeah, that is exactly how your pheromones work so we have odorines we can do we have far infrared we have barometric pressure centers and we have two other modalities that work out of the nose which connects directly to the pituitary gland it's one of the most powerful organs in the body do you think that's how we find our our mates girlfriends boyfriends through pheromones and our smell that's how we we find them they have found they've done extensive research on that yeah you you match the pheromones up and then the people know and it's instant instant connection right there is that right? well someone else they might look oh perfect couple and they don't get along at all that has a lot to do with pheromones there are other things too body geometry etc body language but pheromones play a very big part well how can you you can attract someone who lives five thousand miles away and you eventually get together What's bringing you together there? Is it just karma, dharma? Yeah, no, th- that's different than pheromones different. Uh, because uh, you don't have the infrared. But you can you can pick those up uh, by carbon dioxide is the other thing the nose deals with. Uh, carbon dioxide is like electricity. How do I turn a switch on here and I talk to you all the way in Dripping Springs? Does the electrical wave fly? Or is it described sometimes like I take push a marble in this end and it pushes out at the other end at the same time however it works they don't really know but we have supernatural abilities that we can actually pick up that from the body language and other things in the eyes Uh, masters give darshan i see you go into delta from time to time where you suddenly uh, have that delta wave ability and people recognize their theta waves the coordination so you can get hooked up that way but the pheromones are a closer often do we even know how this whole internet thing goes around i mean some people say that satellites and then satellites go to cell phone towers there's all kinds of different ways that these things are being bounced around isn't there 
and uh, they interfere with this process so do perfumes perfumes, perfumes yeah. interfere with the process they make they make uh, it's probably responsible for a lot of my mistakes <laughs> <laughs> and look at it they, they, these ladies will spend four or five hundred dollars an ounce for a perfume you know to attract some man and it probably doesn't do anything it probably They'll get the wrong man. Get the wrong man. <laughs> That's the thing. The, nat the natural connection will get them someone who they're better for because basically uh, it's like everyone's wearing a mask and then the mask gets, and then eventually you're going to take off your mask after a few months, right? And then you say, oh my God, oh, you're yeah. not the person I thought yeah, you were. I actually had a wife say that same thing. Oh my God, I married my father. <laughs> here's, an email <laughs> from, here's an email from Mary. I'm interested in the Tupelo honey that Patrick bought at your recommendation, but how is it possible that the bees know what flowers to go to to just make fructose? Well, that's a good question. I mean, well, what's up with that? How can you how can you do that? You have to be in a Tupelo area, like in Tupelo, Mississippi. Ah. Yeah, you can't you can't just get it anywhere. Just like you're not going to get manuka honey in the united states you got to go to new zealand right or right. maybe sometimes in australia same with tupelo now there's going to be a, a vagabond bee that goes over and gets a rose or something like that in tupelo mississippi even but basically you can tell uh, a fructose honey will not crystallize usually crystallized honey is very good it's sucrose just like table sugar and mm -hmm. very good for you but you can't make a fructose honey uh or tupelo honey do it there's probably other similar honeys to tupelo i don't know them but some of the listeners may know them but tupelo honey is the most famous and most popular and a lot of it comes from tupelo mississippi but a lot comes from other locations also so so it's the flowers it's the flowers that the bees went to that made this tupelo honey that i purchased this one here is called uh black gum tupelo honey a holy blend <laughs> that's great no i like it you know i went to this person's website and they're really into it i mean they're just they talk about this honey is like god you know this is the honey <laughs> that's what they say I bought some. Looks good, and like I say, we would we would get it spe specifically for diabetics, and diabetics would get it. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it was well known in the eighties, and now that now that uh, fructose has become so evil, it part of that was because of high fructose corn syrup. That isn't that good, though. Warren Buffett gets twenty five percent of his calories from it. Now we're not talking. That's all the sugar. He owns sea candy. He eats seeds candy peanut brittle all kinds of sugary desserts but he makes sure he has that steak too every day and, and, I think he, and he eats a mcdonald's yeah, i think too. that's what i was about to say adam i think he's still to this day uh warren buffett because he's got a, so much mcdonald's stock he goes in and has one of those egg mcmuffins every morning right on the way to work <laughs> You're right. I think he says when he has a he has a poor day in the stock market or something, he goes to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but look at Munger, ninety nine. That guy is. Uh, or did he finally make a hundred? He, he lives did. right here. He's right. He's about three miles away from he's, us here, and he's he's known for uh, making dormitories with no light for the students. It's a big big brouhaha about it here. And well, why does he Santa do Barbara. no lights? What's up with that? You pipe in the light. <laughs> you have electronic light. It matches the sunlight outside. You're, all the dorms are in the middle of the building, away from windows. And so, so that you know it's dawn, you have light that's piped in on a computer so you can see when it's dawn mm. and know when to yeah. wake up. It's nuts. <laughs> I would think that uh, Charlie Munger, and, and who's a, the partner of Warren Buffett, also have lived a long time because... They're happy. You hear them. They love what they do. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, they just love it. This is the, and they make a lot of money and they don't care because he's given and most of it he's going to give away. He, you know, he lives in the same house, Warren, that he's lived for the last 50 years. He, you know, he doesn't care about money. <laughs> he's satisfied with what he gets. And, yeah. and he says the same reason. He yeah. says, how many people 
get to have nothing but friendly people around that serve you, to live in air conditioning all the time, to do anything you want. We don't have any deadlines or things to do. We just we just do anything we want. <laughs> and that, how can we not live long? Why yeah, would you, you not want to stick around? Not? Yeah, how could you They're not? very frank about it, both of them. You know, I was thinking about that uh, uh, this morning. Uh, there's places like... Uh, uh, in the Mideast, Iraq, Iran, and all these places, they have about 150 holidays a year. I mean, this whole idea of working every day except for two or three weeks of vacation, this is a Western thing. And they don't do that in uh, many parts of the world, in France. I know in Italy, because we used to deal with Italians and when I had my food company, they would close their entire business for the month of August. And then they'd also have vacation other times too, you know. European countries, this whole workday thing every day, I think somebody just made it up and convinced us this is the way we do things. One of the people I talked to on the phone once is Ivan Stang. Are you familiar with him? He's a Texan. He started the Church of the Subgenius, which is a takeoff on religions. But they they have a, a, a God figure called Bob, And Bob Bob. preaches slack. (laughs) Yeah, Bob. Bob. And he preaches slack. And slack is, they don't want you to have slack. They want to give you a day off or something. That's not slack. They want you to have health is slack. Just being able to kick back on the slack plane, they call it, and the luck plane and not work. So, so tell your the normals that you're quitting your job and just get slack mm-hmm. and the whole thing is a parody there's books and books on it That's videos funny. on subgenius i'll i'll send you the uh, original uh subgenius uh advertisement that's hilarious uh, i've been staying uh, i joined the church of the the subgenius just for fun and uh i I called him up. He said, well, we'll send it to you after your check clears. What's your name? I said, Adam Bergstrom. He said, with a name like that, I'm going to send it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Come on. That's funny. So, Bob, yeah. Well, my- yeah, Ivan Stang, he's a cool guy. He's out of Dallas. I think he's still in Dallas and, and really a really uh, interesting character. Uh, Dr. Massey was talking about someone yesterday. Not sure how the subject came up that she spent like 20 days or 30 days in the dark and something really interesting happened with her whole melatonin pineal gland thing where she produced a lot of DMT and had all these out-of-body experiences. Do you know anything about that? Is that true? Yes. Uh, in At Wudang, uh, Master Wudang Chen, uh, you sometimes stay in the cave for a year there in the dark. Whoa. And... Yeah, they have that. It's a it's a thing. You remember the yogi I told you about who was buried for forty uh, days underground. Yeah. Well, he got that by avoiding sunlight completely and being in a cave all the time and only coming out at night. So you can obviously live without vitamin D if you know what you're doing. He attributed to donkey milk and sometimes rice at the very most. Otherwise, you couldn't do these amazing uh, uh, suns. Sun. So anyway, it's not the melatonin, though. It's the uh, anandamide and all the other chemicals that get released. And it's well known that there's something called a gauze field. And that means that if you put cut a ping pong ball in half and put two ends on your eyes mm-hmm. and all you see is white, mm-hmm. eventually you will hallucinate. Because the brain hates blank. It can't stand blank. That's why it doesn't really like Delta. And most people, when they go into Delta, they black out. They can't handle seeing nothing and being now here, nowhere. So a gone field is one way to do it. Well, one way to make it is stay in the dark. And pretty soon you manufacture an alternate reality, yeah. which we're doing which in we the do first any, place. That's what we do. Even I was a, yeah, that's it, what we do. Well, anyway, <laughs> no, no, no. That's what we do. We we do create the reality. That's why. That's why. That's what we're doing. It's fascinating. People think that you leave your body and go to another reality and see what's going on there. In my experience, we go to another reality and create our reality just like we do here. That's why it's different for everyone. You know, that's why it's different. Right. 
Yeah. And by by the way, related to that, uh, you know I'm not a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Right. But recently, I saw a video by him about Jung, and I knew he was a Jungian, but I didn't think he was a very good one. But I've changed my mind after seeing this recent interview, because he understood that Carl Jung knew that this was a dream. Yes, he did. It's just that if you get so into it that the other dreams fade away and that's exactly what happens when you go into a gons field or a dark room or or a uh one of those uh what do you call them uh god susie's uh, ex-husband used to range run one of those things isolation chamber isolation, you know, yeah sure. in, in the water mm -hmm. what do you call those yeah, isolation tanks Isolation that's thing. it. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you go in there, and pretty soon you start manufacturing another reality. Yeah. So yes, if you're in the dark and you don't see geometry, these different designs and patterns and things, you make them up. That's what happens when we go to sleep. We can't stand blank. So to get out of Delta, to escape Delta, we come back into making patterns out and and going places mm -hmm. and eventually even traveling to other places. Sure. So we think in this dream that we're limited to this body, but we can go anywhere we anywhere want. We want. You know that, yeah, of course, being we, a member of Ekincar. Anywhere we want. You just go, man. You know. Go. Yeah, but but they tell us, oh no, you can't do that. That's fiction. Yeah, well, uh, Rupert yeah. Sheldrake thinks opposite. So do a lot of other people. And, and I've had experiences out of my body, uh, not as many as my son, who has actually done things out of his body, answered the telephone out of his body. <laughs> He's much more adept at it than I am. Well, it's just another reality. It just is, and it's as real as this is. I mean, if you think this is real, well then. Your dreams are real, too. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're somewhere else and, doing stuff. And Jordan Peterson knew that, that Jung Did knew you that. This that? is just, you, you concentrate on it. It's, it's like when you go to a movie to get you into the reality of the movie, they dim the lights. Otherwise, you'll see the other realities. So pretty oh. soon, you're absorbed into the movie. That's exactly what happens. And I've heard it described by a metaphysical lecturer, exactly what happens. They dim the lights, and now you see, oh, I'm in this reality. We don't need to manufacture virtual reality. We're already here. So what was the idea? See, I don't know much about Carl Jung, but this collective unconscious what was his theories on that? What is? Do you know? Well, he was an. He knew a lot about yoga and how the spinal yoga system works. And there was the collective unconscious, the collective conscious, which is the group mind, and then you go up to these various levels of uh, of consciousness till you get total unconscious and the total unconscious is everything we don't know well we are able to tune into that but you have to go up through these levels usually to get there uh many people use drugs to get there but it's like it's been described like being taken up in a helicopter over the grand canyon and seeing all of it and then being taken back to land mm -hmm. well meditation you can you you don't know how you got there through drugs but through meditation you can leave a trail of breadcrumbs so you can go to the same place by walking and then follow your bread uh breadcrumbs home and then show someone else how to get there yes people with drugs how you, do you, you well yeah. i have to take a drug to get there yeah and you're not going to get there by drugs anyway uh, yeah. even jordan peterson to his credit he said that's cheating <laughs> it, it's it's uh it's actually uh you're not doing the work. <laughs> exactly. You don't earn it. And it's going to And like you say, you don't know how you got there, so how can you possibly help anybody else? And then if you're doing it on a drug, then you start to question or not whether it was real. When you're awake, right, alive and awake, you know what you're experiencing. There's no question. You know, you don't say, is this real? Well, if you're experiencing it, it is, right? It's, it's as real as it gets, right? <laughs> Um, so I agree. I, t I totally agree. I do everything I and can. And the drugs deteriorate the brain, yeah, too. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah. It's some of them slower than others, but eventually it's a losing game. I do everything I can to stay awake and clear because for me, that's where I feel the best 
you know, and you know what I mean? That's where I feel the best and I, I'm seeing what's going on. I'm to the point where I'm just doing, you'll appreciate this because you drink a lot of it. I'm to the point where I do like maybe a, a, a quarter, a, or let's see, a quarter tablespoon of coffee where I used to do two tablespoons in a French press. I'm just doing a homeopathic dose now. And it's really fun because you, you get the same hit. It's amazing. With a quarter of, of the coffee, you get the same hit, but it's lighter, it's smoother. You know, it's just, uh, there's no up and down. I really like it. I really like it. You drink a lot of coffee, though, don't you? I, I found that out. When, when I was into psychedelics, I thought <laughs> the experience was what you're looking for. Then I got into transcendental meditation. And the Maharishi said that what meditation is, it's not what happens during your meditation. It's what happens out of your meditation. And wow, my life changed around me. All kinds of synchronicities and, and the benefits happened to me outside of my meditation. Right. And if I wouldn't meditate, then things wouldn't work out for me. And, and frankly, I'm a bit behind in my meditation these days because I used to do it a lot, regularly under TM, and then I did other types of meditation and Sufi work and all kinds of things. And they're they're definitely beneficial for your health. They oh, yeah. helped me and, and, quite a lot. I'd probably be dead without yeah. it, frankly. And it's good to connect and really see who we are, spiritual beings, and get that, you know, you know even if it's for 10 minutes saying, okay, this is who I am. I'll go back and play on the computer. You know, it's really yeah. Because often under drugs, you're seeing someone who you're not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yeah. you shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, stay right there, Adam. Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network dot com. Uh, if you would like to uh, donate to us and support us, we accept that. And you know, I don't, I don't really have any qualms about asking for support. We're gonna do a little none another little money raise here soon we need to we just you know it's just been a very challenging times with um with product sales our our listenership is up it's crazy we get listeners all over the world and they find us on BitChute. but the whole sales thing uh, you know the paradigm that we built in 2008 is just not working anymore and i'm not sure why you know who knows uh, i'm just not sure why it could be a whole combination of things um but i I won't go into it and try to figure it out. But if you'd like to uh, support us and send us 10 bucks a month, you can go right on our website. Easy to do that. And uh, value for value. And if you'd like to spend some of your Federal Reserve notes with a friend of mine, he has a company called U.S. Coin Capital. And what Fred Dushevsky has is real American money. So this are, these are coins that were made at the United States Mint. So they don't do bars and bricks and bullion things like Krugerrands and you can buy those things and you know 9.9 ounces of gold and silver you can buy those and they're great but we like real American money for many reasons when the boys decided to call in the gold in 1933 those rascals they did it they did it and people did it they bought in the bullion anything that was just gold and silver they didn't and could not force people to bring in real American money because the men printed it. They can't make that illegal and they can't force you to do. So that's a benefit if you ever think they might do it again and knowing how what psychopathic lunatics run the the, the, uh, the, the financial system, I, I wouldn't put it past them. They can do anything they want. You can't own gold. They could pass a law and just like they did in 1933. I don't think they'll do it. Or they can pass a law and say you can't own Bitcoin. Everybody will still own it. They'll just be, quote, breaking the law. Anyway, real American money is cool, and you can get what we call currency silver, which is pre-1965, before they changed from silver to copper. That's right, before 1965, dimes and quarters and halves and silver dollars were silver. They were. I mean, not pure, but a lot of silver. Uh, Andrew, we used to know the amount, but some of them have 0.9. And this is real silver. And you can buy these coins from Fred at 800-878-2646. You can buy a bag of them. And this is kind of what we call a currency silver. Some people call it junk silver. I don't choose to call it that. I mean, it's not junky. It's pure silver. Not pure, but it's real silver. So it's cool. 
and you can get this, and then also some numismatic coins. You can get coins that'll cost $2,000 to $100,000, whatever, how much uh, Federal Reserve notes you would like to trade. So call Fred. He'll take care of you. He's a good man. He's not going to try to sell you a bunch of stuff, you know, like they do in late night TV. The world's coming to an end. Buy gold, otherwise you'll die. You know, I mean, like, they've never done that. 800-878-2646. As of about uh, four years next month, we've been into and utilized hydrogen technology. Uh, we sell a, a hydrogen machine called Holy Hydrogen. Holy Hydrogen. Therapeutic hydrogen water and inhalation. So you can breathe in the gas, hydrogen gas. Uh, Adam has taught us that hydrogen is on both sides of the periodic table, the only molecule. What's that about? I don't know. What's that about? Oh, what's that about? Hydrogen. So you breathe the gas. It's very, very light, and you don't. You just kind of put your little, you know, your little thing on in your nose, and then you can make hydrogen water in the morning, and you rock and roll. So it's like chi or prana or our food. So it's not um, trying to kill anything. It's not trying, you know, it's just not trying to do anything weird. It's just prana, our food. You'll find that you can eat less because you're just getting more prana, more juice, more mojo. Check it out. It's on our website. Please go through our website, oneradionetwork.com. A cool product with uh, Shen Blossom is Potency. Potency is really amazing. It's not made in a lab or anything, but it's collagen peptides with collagen synthesizing enzyme effects of whole food vitamin C. So this is a nice way to uh, take vitamin C, reverse skin aging, build muscle. I like to take it and I need some more. My skin looks great. I've been around the the bend a few years. Uh, uh, Potent C, and this is on Shen Blossom. We don't recommend uh, vitamin C like Pauline did, and I guess a lot of people do okay with it. I never did well with it, but this is Potent C. It's from food, from food, 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 uh, seaweeds and all kinds of stuff. Potency, it's on Shen Blossom. And go through our website, please, and order some and look at some of the other products on Shen Blossom. If you like to do ginseng, people have used ginseng every day for forever, thousands of years in China, in the Far East. And uh, Shen Blossom has ginseng that's around 50, hello, 50 years old. And the way they make it is amazing. A little pricey, but baby, I just do like 10 drops a day. When I can afford it in the budget, I take ginseng pretty regularly. I love it. Uh, it's the real deal. Shen Blossom, One Radio Network. So these are some of our products. Don't forget, we have sulfur. We have the far infrared sauna. Uh, whatever you want on our website. And thanks for your support. We talk about your health, wealth, and well-being on OneRadioNetwork.com. You can visit Adam Bergstrom on SolarTiming.com, and he has how many e-books the last time you counted? Have you counted them? I'm approaching 50. By the way, hydrogen is on both sides of the periodic table of the elements. It's right here, here, and it's right here. And if your medical chart of the bio, of the periodic table of the elements doesn't have hydrogen on both sides, it's not the real deal. This is out of a medical book, by the way. So what has that told you about this molecule hydrogen that it's on both sides? Do we know why or what's up with it? It's that? a really special element. <laughs> <laughs> kind of special. The universe would not, according to Swami Nitty hydrogen is power. Nitrogen is will. Put them both together, you get willpower, nitrogen plus hydrogen. Oxygen is consciousness, and carbon dioxide is attachment, which is bad in some ways, but for the sperm and ovum, necessary. And actually can give us very, very long life by understanding how those principles, the macronutrients work. (laughs) So hydrogen power, meaning uh, it helps Patrick to have the power of the mojo to do what I want to do, that kind of power, that kind of power? And to, and desire. Ah, no desire. master will tell you desire is bad. They'll yeah. tell you attachment is a problem. Mm-hmm. But desire, how did this universe come about yeah, anyway? I mean, if, you didn't have desire. Desire, if you didn't have desire, you wouldn't, you wouldn't find the right partner, you wouldn't eat the right food, 
You wouldn't go out and build a garden. You wouldn't do anything if you didn't desire to do it, right? We'd just sit, sit here sit and veg out. <laughs> We'd be a couch potato. <laughs> Speaking of that, this is a good question. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're asking this one. Uh, Hillary, I'm really, uh, I'm really interesting to find that Adam loves potatoes too much. I've heard him say that he eats potatoes every night. What is his favorite? Or, and what is there some potatoes that are more nutritious than others? Yeah, good question. Potatoes. Uh, they vary. We uh, we pretty much have uh, either red potatoes or some kind of white potatoes. The Burbank potatoes sometimes, depending on what we get at the farmer's market, the little fingerling tomatoes, yeah. uh, potatoes that we've been getting. And uh, we dextrinize them, which we put them in the oven without foil, yeah. and then they sugarize, and uh, we... Uh, that way, they, they, they you convert it actually to a sugar. It's it's almost like uh, glucose uh. separate from breaking down in the change. It's called pyrodextrinization by heat. You can do it in the refrigerator, but it's not as good for you. And chefs don't like it to be cryodextrinized. Uh, they usually let it, a potato sit out for about... 24 hours before they'll cook it in your high-class restaurants. But pyrodextrinization makes it much more absorbable, and you get the ketones out of the potato, ah. which means you can make protein and build muscle out of a potato. So and so the dextrinization, can you even dextrinize? I thought you could just, just dextrinize you know, the, the russet, the big baked potatoes, but you can dextrinize all these other ones too? Anything, even Anything. meat. <laughs> So yeah, say it, it you have this little absorbable. red potato or fingerling or the golden or whatever, you put those in an oven, and then how do you know when they're dextrinized, and how do you know when they're done? Uh, you stick a fork in them And they easily, want to be real and soft. And they, and they taste. Uh, we go by taste okay. because you'll find the different sizes of ovens Sometimes yeah. 200 degrees isn't 200 degrees, or 400 isn't 400 degrees. So I, I usually figure out after a while. A vibrant gal's been doing it lately, so I think she does them for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. In our, we have a little oven. Yeah. We have a big one too that we use for our beets and other things. But the little one is where we usually do our uh, potatoes because it's easier and handier for us. So those, and that's what I have too. A little oven, my big oven is not working. Um, so in a little, little oven, like a toaster guy, 450, you can do the fingerlings and those small ones. And would, would they be about an hour and a half, too, before they're done? Yeah, probably in our oven. Now, it may vary. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen it vary. I've, I've been able to do it before, even at uh, like an hour and 10, 10 minutes with one right. oven I had, whatever the settings were. And, can and you, you can do them faster in, what do they call it? There's a type of, uh, it's not microwave, but they actually put air into the oven and they have a name yeah i know what you mean Suppo yeah. yeah supposedly it was found in a in a dryer yeah the kid accidentally put a chicken in the dryer <laughs> <laughs> and it and it, it cooked it yeah, i know what so you mean. now they have those type of ovens uh where the name of it escapes me but can you friends of mine can you kind of sort of dextrinize the potatoes small ones putting them in water and salt and cooking them uh, we don't put it in water at all. We okay. just start from scratch. But yeah. you, can, you can actually do that. You can, can boil you? it first, and then dextrinization sometimes, especially if you flatten it out so that the heat can get to it, you can do it in 20 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, I prefer longer because the longer, if you use a lower heat, the longer it is, the more delicious it wow. tastes. Wow. And I've had a, I had a friend when she made, she kindly made potatoes for us, and I said uh, we had prefer them dextrinized. She got really mad. I said, "What the heck? Being so particular that? about it." So the next night we made dextrinized potatoes, and she said, "Geez, these are so much better than the other potatoes and foil, and they, which is a steamed potato." They really help the body to uh, use it more as a protein when you dextrinize it, Adam. That's cool. You get protein out of it too, yeah. That's cool. You know, the, the Irish were the healthiest people until the potato blight came along. They they, they made the Londoners look like sicklings compared, <laughs> and they realized it was the potato doing it. I'll be done. Wait, how important is um, 
putting butter or fat with it. Is it that important? I, I think yes, because uh, especially if you use undercooked starch, you can actually get a process where it can work itself into capillaries and give you a stroke. Right, right. Not so it, it's rare, admittedly. Yeah. It's rare. But when you cook it thoroughly and have butter, it prevents that also. So butter is a security just in case of the, uh, you know, statistics. So one in uh, 10,000 get a problem with it. But you might be the one in 10,000. So why take a chance? Right. Put butter on it. And, and plus, butter tastes so good. Yeah, anyway, that's what I was just about to say. Plus, I mean, it tastes great. How can you have potato? And you can just globs of butter, right? Even sour cream. I've been putting sour cream, too. I like sour cream. It's really <laughs> yummy. Yeah. Well, like they say, cholesterol is the stuff they put in food to make it taste good. That's right. <laughs> you bet. You know, you, you bet. I'm a butter butter boy. I, oh. I'm sure I've told you over and over during the First World War when you got one stick of butter per month that I ate the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I, I get this raw butter from Adam... Uh, not, um, the fellow, uh, I, I don't, his name is escaping me, but he's up in Pennsylvania. You know, Amos Miller, and we get the raw butter, the A2 butter, and I just put it out on the counter too. I don't, I don't keep it in the fridge, and it's great. I like it, kind of soft, you know. Yeah, we get raw butter too. We we are, we get a lot of it. We, we fortunately we have to go to Sprouts now. It used to be at the market. We used to know the guy personally, and even even the owner of the company. We come down once in a while, but now they're up uh, in Northern California, so they ship down to Sprouts and Lazy Acres and mm -hmm. other places here in Santa Barbara. So we can still get it anyway. That's one good thing about California yeah. and a couple of other states. Is at least we can get raw butter without having to go through all kinds of shenanigans. It's it's yeah. one of the few states where you can. And I remember back in the day, it was fun to be in California because you could actually get raw milk at the food store, right? And you could get raw milk to this day. Is that it's right? one of the reasons we're here. In fact, hmm. Susie came out here for the food. Oh. That's why she actually came out. She was in New Jersey uh, when she came back, when she escaped from Hungary and all that as a child. Wow. She was in New Jersey, and she wanted real food. So she moved to Ojai, the perfect place for farming and apricots and all kinds of food, and has been here ever since. We're <laughs> certainly not in California for the politics. <laughs> no, you'd be, you'd be Looney Tunes if you were, dude. I mean, I'd have to have a good talk with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'd be in the Looney bin if I was, yes. like all the other people are. We live yeah. in a Looney bin now. Here's an Such email. a beautiful state, and it's so messed up. Here's an email from Polly. I'm interested in more, eating more uh, solar timing, and I'm, want to include nuts can adam talk about the nuts that he eats and some of the benefits of having nuts and finally is it important to have a wide variety of nuts so nuts are a morning food first off do you soak all of your nuts or just the almonds just the almonds okay. are the other ones because that makes a conversion from prussic acid into amygdalin and okay. it's beneficial if you soak it over three and we, we do it in the refrigerator, by the way, important right. point. Uh, if you do it over three days, it turns into benzoic acid. No <laughs> real problem, but the fermentation is not good for you. It's so better to do... Three days yeah. is the best, and we have three soakings going on regularly in the refrigerator, three jars that we go to the... Uh, pick the one as it gets to the right and and uh, use that every day. And how many so, and almonds we, uh, do you guys uh, eat? How many almonds do you other all Other nuts eat? we don't bother to do that with. Uh, oh. It's really unnecessary because you don't get any really profound chemical changes out of it. And we used to eat a lot more nuts. Uh, we used to have one Brazil nut a day. It has selenium and a lot of other things. But lately, all we can get in ones with mold in them where we really? spit them out. So we haven't been able to find a decent Brazil nut for whatever reason in six years now since I've had a Brazil nut. I used to eat them regularly. Do you still do pistachios, walnuts, and other nuts? Uh, walnuts are good for the jaw, uh, for the calcium in the jaw, uh, and for uh, tooth decay. Um, pistachios are good for the eyesight. Mm -hmm. You see how they're kind of like yeah. eyes with mm -hmm. visual violet in there and everything. They're very good for the eyes. Uh, 
the uh, we have walnuts, uh, only one. They're high in omega-3 oils, but not that high, a lot less than a lot of other products. And they have brain. Again, it's got the hard shell, and you'll see a brain there perfectly. And uh, we used to eat uh, pine nuts, but we haven't been able to get really good ones. Good they're one. coming from China, and they're not that good lately. I used to have got about six or seven different types of nuts for breakfast, just one or two, because right. you can overdo it. Uh, but lately, pretty much almonds, walnuts, uh, cashews, and pistachios. We get them at the market and it's at, uh, at uh, Lazy Acres. Ca cashews are good for you? Cashews? Yeah, cashews are a another really good one, mm -hmm. really good one. Mm -hmm. Now, some people have reactions to them because uh, the the cashew is, the poison ivy is part of the cashew family, not the other way around. Oh. So it's very important to heat them, even though the so-called raw cashews are actually being cooked. But for the maximum teeth protection, you have uh, maybe once in a while one so-called raw cashew uh, for the anacarctic acid in it, which is important. But otherwise, we we uh, we eat our we eat so little of them. We bought we don't bother to retoast them because they do it anyway. They they heat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And almonds uh, these days, how many how much how many almonds are you guys doing? You and Vibrant Gal. Yeah, because we're eating other nuts, I only have about uh, 10, and Vibrant Gal's only doing about five, and we make it up with the other nuts because it's just too much. And we're not, we're pretty much couch potatoes these days. We don't go out and, run you know, uh, uh, Vibrant Gal used to run 25 miles a day and that kind of stuff. It, she realized it wasn't really a yeah. good idea. Ray yeah. Pete's right about that. Probably not. You can definitely overdo that kind of problems and lead to, uh, some uh, bone shortages, ultimately. Yeah, I think running is very hard on the body, isn't it? Really hard on the body. Yeah. If a person is going to run, they should change their speeds. Because the worst thing you do is you ever see a jogger, and they look like they're in pain anyway, and they're trotting along like this with a grimace on their face. You know? Right, right. And that's, that steady pace knocks the calcium out of the bone. Mm. But if you change your pace, kind of like a boxer playing around, you sprint, then you walk a little or, or slow down your run to a jog and then sprint again and then jog a little and make different types of step. Rough ground is ideal. I used to love running up the trail and then this was dangerous, running down jumping over boulders at breakneck speed. Uh, and one time I darn near bought it too, doing that. But I used to love it. I used to run for about five miles downhill like that because it doesn't take much breath. And you just bounce, 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 bounce down the hill, take huge 10-foot steps over boulders and, <laughs> and hope you don't hit any gravel. That's what <laughs> happened to me in Phoenix, Arizona. I enjoy the burst exercise of what's called high-intensity training. Well, I'll just get on the rebounder and run as fast as I can for maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And I do that three or four times a day. And my, you know, my heart rate is like 55 sometimes or 50. My heart's strong. You know, it's strong, man. It's, it's excellent. I used to do a version that I invented myself. Mm. Uh, I, I I worked at Thrifty Drugstore back in 1960 or somewhere back then, and I'd walk a mile to walk to to work. So I decided I was going to sprint and then walk and sprint as yeah. fast as I could. Yeah. And I didn't know I was in high intensity training until I read about it later and said, "Wow, yeah. I did that way back in 1960." Yeah. And there are people who are into this that I've you know listened to, and they claim that. You know, this kind of a, a burst or high intensity intensity training is actually better for the heart and circulation and, and strength than running for 10, or 10, 20 miles. That's amazing. I have heard that too. That's amazing. Recently, in fact, someone on Facebook told me the same thing, but, right. I, but I've come across it before that it's a good form of training. It only takes a few minutes, right? It's kind of fun, you know. Kind of fun. I met a guy once that was in really good shape, and he told me he did a high-intensity 10-minute workout um, when he woke up in the morning. His name was Thibodeau, 
and he was at O'Donnell Lay's clinic. And O'Donnell said, well, Thibodeau means tumbler. And he said, yeah, my family's a, a professional tumblers. <laughs> but he was in superb physical shape. You could just sit there and do those kind of push-ups where you put your hands out and clap twice and then come yeah. down, you know. <laughs> and he would he would do high-intensity training for what, half an hour? How, how long? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. Every day, he said, without fail, he'd get up and do it high, as, as much as he could push-ups and i'm not sure what else he did mostly push-ups he did mm. and he was in superb shape and you can do pull-ups too if you want you know pull-ups you know high intensity that would be good too yeah. he just told me about the, the uh the push-ups so I, I i didn't get to hang out with him after yeah. he was a client yeah. of uh swami nitty-gritties in his karma clinic back there in houston it, what is it called karma clinic <laughs> he called it Spominetti Gritty's Karma Critic, uh, Clinic, we That's called funny. it. And we had the Banana Grove restaurant because he was growing a, 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 a banana tree. He added an addition to the apartment without letting them know about it. And uh, somehow it got out. So they said, well, you're not supposed to do this, but as long as you can't take any of this with you when you leave. Okay. So we had an outdoor restaurant with uh, kind of being closed. Uh, added to the apartment that was called the Banana Grove uh, Kitchen, and he operated that for golly a, a decade, I oh, think. That's great. I, I still do the um, uh, well, hang on the bar, you know, just hang on the bar, and I'll do it for maybe a minute and a half, sometimes two minutes, and boy, it really is powerful, you know. There's something about that. I don't know what it is. Some guy that I saw on the internet was talking about it so i started doing it about a year ago and i still do it all the time two or three times a day it's fun you know plus it's easy it's excellent as kids we did it all the yeah, time yeah we, we love to on, do that on the monkey know? bars we, we always were hanging on those things right yeah back in new jersey we used to hang off of the uh limbs and then let go and hit the next limb below oh yeah like we did when we you think we were monkeys at one time yeah, an, I think so. Are you an evolution guy? You know, I think we, we could have been dolphins. We could have been monkeys. Uh, who knows? You know, I like dolphins. We have yeah. some kind of connection with monkeys. I think we have some kind of connection with the with the ocean as well. I mean, you know about ocean water and the minerals in the ocean water, which is in the exact proportion as the minerals in our body, right? As far as calcium, magnesium, the proportion is the same. Now, how could that be if we don't have some connection to the ocean? And in the periodic table of the elements, yeah. if you look at that, and I, I, I won't, can't pick it out here exactly, but the third level of the periodic table yeah. down from the top is actually the seawater part that we picked up. Ravisi huh. uh, <laughs> proved that we were formed on the land in mud and mica and then we migrated to the sea to get our flexibility. That's why the potassium is the mud of our body in the fourth mm. level of the periodic table. And then we picked up the flexibility and the sodium and the chloride in the other level to make us move around. So plants were fixated. They couldn't move any place because they didn't have the sodium to do it with. Wow. And we picked that up. And then we came back out of the sea. And that was both uh, Swami Nitty Gritty told really? me that first. I right. found it that Ravisi had proved it. And Mayor Baba, in his, one of his books, he said the same thing. So scientists are mistaken that we were created in the sea. It's much it's impossible, but in mud on the land, and particularly mica, which is two-dimensional, if you see how it's in in uh, sheets like that, hmm. the the genes could meet up on a two-dimensional plane instead of like a skydiver trying to jump into an airplane passing by randomly. So you couldn't possibly have life on Earth without uh, being created on land in mica. So there's and folks then with, converting from silicon, uh, the silicone bean into a carbon-based bean, which is much more flexible than silica is. So, uh, so Ravisi, who I know you really respect, he he was of the theory we we did the land thing, and then we went in the ocean to do the sodium and the flexibility, and then we came back out and said, well, let's walk around here, and we could have evolved that way. Yes. Yeah, as Adano explained it, uh, we got plants first, and they formed resin. 
And then the resin went into the rivers and went down into the ocean. And the resin was exposed to sodium, which gave it flexibility to move around. And pretty soon we had the little fishies and the, and finally, uh, different creatures. And finally an air, a lungfish crawled on land, <laughs> as the story goes. Uh, and here we are after all these millions of years, which there is no time. So all this happens in a timeless state. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wonder, I, I, when I think of being a baby or a, a young kid, it doesn't seem like it just happened yesterday. And you know, this is interesting theory. We don't know exactly, but you could take the theory that it makes sense if you believe in soul, as I do. Souls are in plants, so we could have evolved ourselves from pl- from plants as well. I mean, Pat, who Patrick is as a soul, I could have gone the whole right, you know, plants over millions of years into. Humanoids. I mean, that's possible, too. You know, that's possible. Plants have uh, consciousness, and that was done by uh, Sir Jagadas Chandra Bose. Mm. He proved back in the day that plants had consciousness. But, of course, when he went to London, the scientists... They, they were interested because he had figured out how to transmit waves, wireless communication before Marconi. But then when he started talking about plants having consciousness and even minerals. But think about it. They say you need a nervous system to be conscious. Anyone who's had an out-of-body experience, uh, where's the nervous system in oxygen? Where's the nervous system or even any kind of nerve out there? It's just plain oxygen that's looking back at the body. Mm-hmm. There's no spine out there or a neurological system. No, there's so not. how can that be? <laughs> it's common sense when yeah. any, anyone who's had an out-of-body experience yeah. will know that's nonsense they're, te- they're teaching us. Uh, when I'm out of my body and I'm aware of it, I am, I'm just a viewpoint. You know what I mean? I'm just a viewpoint. I look and I see, what, I, and that's it. I mean, what am I? Am I, you know, out there? I mean, I'm just a soul, and I don't even know what that is, really, except maybe sound yeah. and light and God and love. And, Ultimately, through what they call the rings pass not, there's not even oxygen. Hmm. Remember the movie The Matrix where Morpheus says, you think that's oxygen you're breathing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I really have thought about that because you've told stories of the yogis who go, you know, underground for 30 days. And I know if you really play with it, that you can go into a state where you're barely breathing anything for a long time. I mean, I've done it at night and it's fascinating. You feel so high and you're not breathing. You know, how is that even possible? You know, because you go to breathe, you know, like you need to breathe, but you don't, you don't do it. And you just say, no, you're okay. Don't don't worry. You don't have to breathe. You don't have to breathe. You don't have to breathe. It's okay. And you don't. The longer you do that, the more you don't have to breathe. I mean, it's crazy. It's you know, it's crazy. I think we breathe just because we think we have to. <laughs> I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. Uh, Swami Nitty Gritty showed me a trick. If you drive at sixty miles an hour down right. the highway, and then you you'll notice you can slow your breath down quite a bit. So I used to do Korea yoga while I was driving. Now be careful when you're doing this. I don't want to have anyone have an accident doing it, but I used to do it all the time. And what is Kriya Yoga? What's the principle behind that? Kriya Yoga is a type of breath where you bring the energy up your spine into ah, your brain. Huh. Basically, it's that that uh, dictum I talk about Kundalini, where Kundalini. Uh, keep a cool head yeah. and a hot butt. Yeah, yeah, mm, that's kriya yoga. So you bring it up with the you bring it up with the uh, the heat, uh, or you bring the energy up to the head, which is the carbon dioxide, and then breathe it out down the spine again and you concentrate on the spine it's called kriya yoga now kriya yoga it's been also advertises energy energization techniques and all kinds of other things but basically the kriya breathing is all that i do uh-huh. the postures aren't even a part of ancient yoga that's a new innovation that comes in hatha yoga it's good for you it's uh yeah. definitely good but it has nothing to do with the type of yoga that yogananda did or uh kriyananda even did mm-hmm. i played around with uh montak chia's stuff with sexuality and sexual uh, intimacy where instead of going out with an ejaculation you bring the energy up the, the spine, right? 
all the way to the spine above your head, this way, and then you bring down into the dantian, into the, right, and you, you store it there. You ever play around with that? Of course, my philosophy was uh, use it. if you don't use it, you lose it, but maybe <laughs> that's why you have hair and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Maybe so. What was, what was Master Chen's whole thing? Uh, does he have a whole system on sexuality that he teaches? Yeah, he uh, he says it's a it's not a good idea to hold uh, ejaculation in all the time, but he recommends that you don't do it that often. Yeah, and and certainly I was breaking those <laughs> rules way way down. And so, but anyway, but he, but he does in his hundred day meditation, he would say no sex during that hundred day meditation. Did he? <laughs> my, my camera just froze up. Hold on a second. Look at the shot of my camera. Isn't that hilarious? Can you see the shot on the camera? Whoops. Uh, yeah, I see picture. something. The camera, you're, you're frozen in a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, it's great. Look at the great shot. Yeah. I love it. That's funny. It froze right there. Yeah, my camera. I'll put it back. <laughs> you're in the breathless state. You're back. You talk about there being in the now, baby. Your shirt. <laughs> when you freeze in time, that's when you're really in Nowsville, right? You're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's a great shot, man. Oh, man, oh, man. <clears throat> so Master Chen does a thing, but have you ever taken his whole sexuality uh, thing? Course? You know, uh, I was lucky enough uh, to be at the right place at the right time. When I was at my friends, uh, Jimmy and Faye Salvadra had that ranch out there in Fayetteville, and they made friends uh, with Master Chen. So I got to take all of his nine-day courses he let me take him wow. for free. Wow! And I'm most grateful. And he and I tried to. I said I'm going to sell my yes, no, maybe books and give you the money. He wouldn't even take that. He wow. was so generous. And those courses were up to three thousand five hundred dollars for wow. people. So he, he it was still- really fun, though. People would say they come from all over the country and sometimes other countries, and they'd say, "Where are you from? Oh, I'm from New Mexico. Where are you from? Here. What do you mean here? In town? No, here." What do you mean here? At the ranch. I live at the ranch. You live at the ranch? Yeah, so I was responsible for turning the lights off after the workshop and mm. turning them on in the morning. And sometimes, because he would teach till 1 in the morning, and we'd have to get up 5 in the morning, and some people would practice afterward. I'd have to wait till all the stragglers were done oh. practicing and then go turn off all the lights and then wake up two hours early or later to uh, continue with the workshop. Was, Tough what, workshops. Whoa. Big picture was, uh, did it involve the idea of withholding ejaculation uh, for the man and then helping the woman to have many, many, many orgasms? Is that part of the idea? Mostly it was Tai Chi and Qigong okay. but, uh, and workhouse. But we talked about that too. Ways to sleep. One time someone asked him what's the best way to sleep. And he gave us a sleep position for every meridian and ways to conceive better, spooning positions, ways to cross your legs over and put your the, the, the soles of your feet together, all kinds of techniques. Just blew my mind when I first met him. The first workshop I took was in Austin for about uh, a two-day, a weekend workshop. And he went into all these sleep positions and everything, and I, I was just blown away. Yeah, really fun. Every now, I've been doing more and more where I just ditch the pillow, and you know, you just sleep like this kind of thing, like we used to do in the caves. Probably we didn't have pillows. Right? The my pillow guy didn't exist back in the cave days. So um, maybe that's a real beneficial way to to do it with your neck. I don't know. I think so. I, I've experimented with sleep in all different uh, ways. At one time, when I was a Sufi, my teacher never slept in the bed. So I would sleep on the floor all the time. And I taught myself to sleep on carpets with no padding and everything. Uh, When I got out of high school, I couldn't do that. I remember when we got, when I first got married, we lived in furniture and we had to pile up our laundry and we slept (laughs) terribly. But after that, I I actually trained myself to sleep on a linoleum floor with no, just a sheet on a linoleum floor. And was very comfortable. Now I don't think I could do that anymore. What do you do with your head for a pillow? Do you just do, on, do, you just do the hands thing? I use no pillow. No. They, they, yeah, but I, I mean, you use your hands as a pillow. He didn't use any pillow or anything. No, I know, but you, so yeah. you're using your hands to kind of 
do something to support your head or you just do it right on the... Just on my back. First, I oh, used to back. sleep hmm. on my stomach. But one day, uh, I never could fall asleep on my back. But one day, I put a, a sundial shell on my forehead because it was supposed to give me energy. And I fell asleep. I said, wow. And after that, I would put that on my head and I would put a glass jar behind my neck like those stone pillows the oh, Chinese yeah. wear, yeah. and put my head back and sleep wonderfully mm. with a <laughs> with a peanut butter empty peanut butter <laughs> jar for a neck guard and a, and a sundial shell and under a pyramid of course. Oh, that of was course, Pat Flanagan pyramid mm. days before he got into sensors and micro whatever he was selling. <laughs> yeah, he was a wild one with pyramids, wasn't he, Patrick Flanagan? D. Oh. Patrick, I, I got to hang out with him in Houston. He had a, uh, we had a metaphysical bookstore uh, and he had an office upstairs. So uh, I got to know him pretty well. He's quite a guy. He was really, he was quite a guy. He was into some fun stuff, wasn't he? Just uh, and he would he would tell fun stories too. He loved to tell jokes and anecdotes. Yeah, yeah great guy. He's missed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. Well, Mister B, two and a half hours of fun frolicking and uh, you know all kinds of strange things. Go to see and and funky bits of wisdom from Adam Bergstrom. He's here on the first Monday and the third Wednesday, which is today. July 19th, where we're live here. So if you're watching on One Radio Network after Wednesday morning, don't try to call in or email. And on BitChute, uh, please uh, subscribe to BitChute channel and then hit that uh, little bell so we we um, we notify you. So Mr. B, solartiming.com, that's where folks can find your books, right? Your books, solartiming.com. And where that's you, where the books are, where, and at uh, com. that's where we we have a, a $99 uh, membership, and we have all kinds of things, food lists, a color recycling yeah. list where you go through black, gray, brown, red, orange, yeah. yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, and white, and uh, that's explained what that's all about. Uh, on Sunsink Nutrition. And you also, but our uh, books, and we make most of our money on uh, books, yeah. on uh, solartiming.com. And on the Sunsink, they also have a cool feature that I love where you can put in your your longitude, is it your longitude, and you can find out your exact solar timing if you really want to get funky about it, right? Like, and you can see exactly exactly yeah. because they they try to mess up our timing all the time by making daylight time, war time, this time. Some states have multiple times in the state, and some states like Arizona and Hawaii don't change it at all, which is a lot more convenient than adjusting to all these phony times that they've made up. Well, I've read on the internet, and if you read on the internet, it's probably true, but uh, I hear that. In, this year, we're not going to go back to standard. It's just going to stay at the daylight savings. That's the, the rumor. They're going to keep it. I wish they would do I just, it to uh, the other way. standard yeah, time why instead not just of do confusing just, people even yeah. more now. But uh, but one time is probably better than, than changing back and forth all the time. But I think they're going to do the, the daylight. I agree with you. Why not just, just do standard time? That's the closest you can get to solar, right? That's the closest you can without using a sundial. A sundial is best because they invented railroad time because to to make a schedule between two towns when there was a five-minute difference and 100 miles or two, that got really confusing. So I can see why they divided it into 15-minute, 15-degree categories and all of that. But, but basically... Uh, uh, our biology does not follow our industrial time and our banker's time. So if you want to be healthy, you want to know when your body wants something. Like when your body, it's best for it to sit on the toilet or whatever. It has nothing to do with what some government bureaucrat tells us we should be doing or when we should show up for work and when she should go to the bathroom and when we should eat lunch. It's our body that should be telling us that. Yeah, time to go to bathroom. Mr. Adam Bergstrom, thank you, sir. I love you, and I love a vibrant gal. And let her know that uh, we're thinking of her and sending good 
vibes to both of you all the time. Uh, look for Adam's blog on One Radio Network. He puts a blog up every couple of days. Fun stuff right on the top page. So, kiddo, you guys have fun, and we will see you real soon. Okay, Adam, thanks for being we here. We will. Thank you for all you do, Patrick. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, may the blessings be. Bye-bye. Adam B., and uh, you know who you are, and I know who I am, and we're going to go on down the road. We're going to take uh, Thursdays off, as we generally do, work on our screenplays and do fun stuff. And um, we will see you back on Friday morning. Hannah Walheiser has been visiting us. She's great. People love her. I love her, too. And uh, she's going to be here on Friday, and we talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Hannah Walheiser and Patrick this Friday at uh, 10 o'clock. Thanks for your support. with your donations and also purchasing products. When you purchase products, please go through our website and that's the only way we get a commission. Don't go directly to the company. Some people do that, but uh, go through us if you will. You, you get the same price. And we'll see you on Friday. Let me know if I can help with anything. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. I love you all very much. You're doing great. If I can do anything for you, contact me. Thank you and uh, may the blessings be. Know the Source on One Radio Network.